Hello there, I'm Brian Taylor. Down the years you may have seen me on the telly or heard me on the wireless, but this is different. This is the Brian Taylor Podcast, brought to you by The Herald. Coming up... What about all these people? We can't just only benefit those who are fortunate enough to have jobs and fortunate enough to be healthy enough to work you know these tend to be the people who are on the the sort of thinnest end of the wedge as it is and there are really huge concern not the biggest move in the in the scheme of everything else that's going on as we mentioned the, the sort of surging living costs and this sort of you know income tax threshold has been frozen kind of in the, in the immediate term well, there I'm Brian Taylor. A very warm welcome to my very latest Herald podcast. On the show today, we'll analyse the Chancellor's spring statement. We'll bring you the very latest from Ukraine, uh, if we have more, and we'll reflect upon the, the pandemic two years on. Again, mostly in the context of that statement from the Chancellor. The statement is still being battered forward, backwards and forward in, in the Commons. I'm delighted to be joined by Ian McConnell, the Herald's group business editor, by Hannah Roger, our Westminster editor and political correspondent, Andrew Learmouth, welcome to all three. Hannah, let's go straight to you at Westminster. Maybe just, uh, it's about an hour or so since the Chancellor made his statement. Of course, as I say, the, he's still being questioned on it. Bring us up to speed on the big announcements, if you would. Yeah, so we've got, I suppose, the big announcement that I think will affect most people in, in Scotland or be most interesting to them is this sort of rise in the threshold at which you're required to start paying national insurance. Yep. So, it, you know, it's a little bit kind of technical and uh, not complicated, but a bit technical. So currently, people start paying um, income tax at £12,570. But if you earn £9,570, that's when you start paying national insurance. So from July, those two levels will be the same, basically. So you can earn £12,570 before having to pay anything. Um, mm. So the, the Treasury have said that will benefit about 2.4 million people in Scotland, yep. which will save them about £330 a year. So, you know, not to be sniffed at, I think, when everything at the moment is going up. Um, then we've also got this sort of somewhat, not strange necessarily, but we've got a sort of a, a little additional sort of tax relief on energy saving measures so if you want to get a heat ground source heat pump in your home or insulation or solar panels then those things are going to be tax free and um, of course that requires you to have the funds to be able to do it in the first place um, so we've got that what else have we got um we have goodness it's gone out of my head um We've got, oh yes, the, the income tax. So yeah. again, this doesn't really apply in, in Scotland because Scotland already has a 19 pence per, per pound rate of income tax. But Rishi Sunak says by the end of the current parliamentary term, that's 2024, he will bring down the rate of income tax by one pence. So that will be in England. It will basically be the same in Scotland. And before I forget, the other big one, which will help people in Scotland as well, is the fuel duty cut <laughs> which is five five percent or cut on fuel duty from 6 p.m tonight lasting until march 2023 yeah that's a big cut five pence a litre i mean the we, we had yeah. we had the chancellor and with the the prime minister sitting behind him shouting this is big this is really big when he was talking there about the the, the national insurance threshold and i'll come back to you in a second let's bring in ian and, and andrew as as well ian the 
the, the, the philosophy underpinning this, the Chancellor saying it's a drive to get tax down and it's a drive to contain spending. Now, he got, he got a bit of a, you know, a ribbing, to say the least, from opponents and even during his statement pointing out that you know, the, the, the Tories had pushed taxation up in, 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 in recent years and, and the opposition saying that wasn't entirely due to the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think um, there have been quite dramatic increases in tax uh, up to this point. There was an Institute for Fiscal Studies report last week saying that um, Johnson and Sunak had sort of put through tax rises in two years in the scale that Brown and Blair did in 10 years. So obviously there there, there has been uh, a lot there. The big one that still sits there and has still to have the effect is the, the freezing of the income tax thresholds um, for four years, which... Um, you know, we're just about to start feeling the pain of and with inflation sort of tipped to, to go above 8% and potentially higher, that's going to be like a huge, uh, huge deal. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, that, that seemed like a, a fair point. He's obviously going ahead with the 1.25 percentage point rise in the national yeah. insurance rate. Um, the likes of Scottish Chambers are expressing disappointment uh, over that already. You know, so while the, the threshold, is, as Hannah says, is being, is being raised, um, you know, the the rate rise there is still is still going. He, he looked to be champing at the bit to, on the kind of basic rate of income tax a little bit. Um, Wasn't he just? Yeah, that was no, really intriguing. You know, <laughs> he, really, he just really wanted to announce it today, but but some wicked person would stop him. You know? Yeah, I mean, there, there, there'd obviously been a lot of speculation that he could do it as early as the autumn budget kind of thing, but uh-huh. he, as you say, he seemed to be to be wanting to go today on it. Um, there had been talk of a 2p cut in the basic rate of income tax, um, and, you know, he's obviously trailed 1p at the moment so it'll be interesting to see sort of how that goes but um yeah so i think i think it's the tax burden you know it's it, it certainly is sort of big you know big and rising um, with them you know you've got the national insurance uh, sort of rate rise still you've got the income tax thresholds being frozen which you know i think people don't Notice so much as the headline rates, but that's going to. Be, I think there was a forecast that he said thought that it could eventually bring in eight billion a year, and the mm-hmm. IFS is saying it could be twenty one billion a year. So that might be where some of the money comes from the the NI threshold uh, rise yeah. to, to enable that. Andrew, this is a point that was raised. This point about the you know the 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 if you like the capacity that the Chancellor had with within his within his within his Treasury purse. Um, uh, both uh, both the main opposition parties, Labour and the SNP saying he had far, far more scope uh, to, to go down in terms of relieving the burden, the cost of living crisis, as both described it. But the Chancellor saying that he was helping poor families, but, but also saying you know, his, his obje- this, this key objective, this, this philosophy of, of tax cutting that, that he was, uh, if you like, reasserting uh, against, as, as Ian's described, the evidence of the last few years. Well, I mean, some of the uh, the interesting stuff that we're getting just now from the the OBI, the, the Office of Budget Responsibility, obviously, yeah. you know, sort of fact check and analyse and, and come up with this sort of independent uh, advice on on what the Chancellor said. So they were saying he had a, a fifty five or borrowing was fifty five billion less this year than he had uh-huh. thought in the audit, which is a huge pot to play with. But uh-huh. he's not spent a very much of that. Only really spent a small fraction of that. So you can understand why the opposition party is going well. You know, there was more money there that you, you could have spent than you, you should have done. Um, yeah. it's interesting. The OBR report is is, is fascinating for obviously yes. reasons. 
still just going through, but it talks about, you know, inflation. We, we saw the, the latest inflation figures from the ONS this morning. Um, I think we're at a 30-year high, you know, chance that it's going to be in double figures by the end of the year, you know, a 40-year high. Uh, I think another, as I noted this down very briefly from the, the, the OBR report, but the, the rise in inflation to a 40-year high is expected to result in the biggest fall in living standards in any single financial year since ONS records began. In 1956, so it's, it's yeah. It, again, it comes down to, to to those choices. Labour and the SNP suggesting that the Chancellor could have done much more to deal with the the cost of living crisis through you know other measures other than the the, the tax cuts. Hannah, let's pick up another point from the OBR, a phrase that jumped out at me when the Chancellor quoted uh, the Office for Budget Responsibility, the OBR, who do the official forecasts on the state of the economy. Said there was un, and I quote, and the Chancellor quoted, unusually high uncertainty. Uh, surrounding the economy, I mean, you know, they really set a bundle there, didn't they, uh, given the, the, the state of the economy and given the fact that this is, to the day, two years on from the pandemic lockdown? Yeah, I mean, I think unusually high uncertainty. I'm not sure how you could say, say it kind of more forcefully than that. It just means well, you could put your arms up and shriek is the, is the answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't have a clue what's going to happen one we day to the next, but, you know... Um, I mean, is it any surprise, really, as you say, two years to the day since the horrible pandemic began? Now we've got a war going on in Ukraine, which is completely shafting everyone in terms of energy costs. And to be fair Um, to the Chancellor, he he, he preceded those remarks about unusually high uncertainty with a a lengthy statement of standing by the people of of Ukraine, making it plain that that was the context. Yeah, I mean, he did. It was quite interesting. You know, he did. He did do quite a lot of padding, I thought, at the, at the start of the statement about Ukraine, which I'm wondering if the the sort of the reason for that may have been to explain why he maybe couldn't he felt he couldn't go further in, in, on certain issues, for example, energy. You know, as I said, the only really the only thing that he's done in terms of energy are these sort of uh, energy saving investments that homeowners would make but that's not going to touch the sides really for the average person or or people who are renting their own homes um unless their landlord chooses you know to to put those improvements in so um yeah i mean i'm just just picking up obviously you know this has just happened so there's as a journalists we all know that on budget day all the reaction starts to come in at once but I'm just I'm just seeing the IPPR um, think tank they they have just said that you know the plan is woefully out of touch with the reality of the cost of living crisis faced by millions of the poorest people and I think actually that does make some sense you know we've not seen anything about universal credit we've not seen anything about benefits in general um, I know the SNP's Alison Thulis that was one of her big points in her statement she said you know what about disabled people what about people who are unable to work what about mm-hmm. you know the waspy women who are outside uh, I think yeah. I can see them from from my window protesting outside you know what about all these people we can't just only benefit those who are fortunate enough to have jobs and fortunate enough to be healthy enough to work, you know. Um, so I think that these tend to be the people who are on the the sort of thinnest end of the wedge as it is. And there are really mm. huge concerns, obviously, about the effects that that's going to have in, in the next coming months. 
But let's go through. Let's go through some of the issues raised in the statement. Maybe just go through them, just to, because as they say, the statements are still relatively new. Ian, the uh, what he, the chancellor was referring to the OBR. Of course, one of the things they do is give a growth forecast for yeah. the coming three, four years, and he yes. described it as a lower growth outlook. The figures are not exactly uh, startling or encouraging, are they? They are pretty low. No, no. I mean, I think he's. I think um, the the projection had been for growth this year of. Something like seven point three percent. I think uh, last time round, uh, that's down to three point eight percent today. And then, so sort of looking out beyond there, you've got this kind of this kind of below trend uh, sort of growth thereafter, kind of thing. One point eight percent, two point one percent, one point eight percent, one point seven percent. So it's all kind of um, you know. I, I guess historically, the UK had a trend rate of growth of about two and a half to to two and three quarter percent. So it's, um, it's you know, all those numbers are, apart from this year, which is, you know, a, a bit of a continuation of the rebound from the depth. So those other numbers further out are all sort of way, way below trend. As, as I noted, the, I haven't read in detail, but I noted the OBR had sort of highlighted the, the continuing uh, dampening effect on, of Brexit and trade flows as well. That's obviously yep. looking sort of further out, sort of, you know, beyond. Curiously, the Chancellor didn't draw attention to that one. Yes, no, no, I think the only thing he mentioned was on the, the small uh, measures and the VAT yeah. and the energy things that Hannah had referred to. I think he mentioned Brexit in that context, but uh, no, not the, not the, 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 the kind of elephant in the room, which is the impact in the trade flows. Let, yeah. let, let's, stick, let's stick with this growth thing, Ian, and then and then Andrew. I mean, we talk about, you know, 3.8 and then down to 1.7 and all these sort of things. It's just a, a, a blizzard of statistics, but this really matters, doesn't it? It really matters unless you grow the economy, you, uh, 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 you know, by, by the 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 um, the, the system that is being pursued by the, the major political parties, unless you grow the economy, um, you don't have an opportunity to, to in, enhance the, uh, improve the cost of living position for people or improve the lifestyle of folk. I mean, he was talking about the conditions for growth. Uh, again, future plans, autumn budget, maybe beyond that, you know, boost vocational and qualifications, boost the rate of innovation, reform uh, uh, R&D tax credits. None of, it, none of it happening now, but, but setting that as an objective, wasn't it, Ian? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's all very well with these kind of long term sort of micro measures. And, you know, it's difficult to, to know whether they'll be successful or not. I think, you know, the growth, the growth is obviously kind of, you know, it's, it's going to be dampened. Uh, there's going to be like a sort of big looming, looming problem in terms of, you know, the, the impact of inflation, which we've touched upon, 6.2% in the, mm-hmm. the kind of latest figure this morning. But that's obviously going to seriously, once people have sort of run off any excess savings, you know, those fortunate enough to have them during the, the pandemic, you know, that inflation rise starts to bite. Hannah's referred to the, the kind of energy uh, price hike, which is coming again, nothing nothing in particular in there today, a little bit more than the hardship fund, but the numbers aren't big compared with the, the scale of the extra amount people are going to be paying, you know, the price cap up of 54%, nearly £700 a year, could get worse in, in October, as Andrew mentioned, you know, that's the kind of thing that is leading people to think that inflation could go into double figures later in the year if it, if it goes up again in October. So all of these things act as a break in growth. And then obviously, as, as you say, that, you know, the, the growth, the below trend uh, growth does not uh, sort of, you know, f- feed through very well to, to kind of living standards. I mean, these are, these are this, you know, the, as you say, the day-to-day effect in people's lives. Yeah. Kind of let's move maybe to, uh, Andrew, let's move to fuel and energy. We've got, got two big announcements. The the, the real headline one, I, I guess, literally, the, the, it'll be the headline for many of the newspapers who were 
um, the, the particularly the, the English tabloids who were demanding this fuel duty cut by 5p a litre from from uh, six o'clock tonight. Uh, the, the Prime Minister shouting, this is really big, this is really big tax cut worth five billion pounds. What, what do you make of that one? It's a, it's a pretty big change, but it's, but it's being driven, isn't it, by the fact that the price of fuel has, price of fuel at the pumps has risen hugely. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, one of the, the most popular stories on the Herald's website last week was about the uh, the petrol pump somewhere in the West Coast that was up to 199 a litre. So, you know, it is clearly something that people care about. Unfortunately, I filled my car up on Sunday. I really should have waited a couple of days. and oh, nail, nail, nail up, Andrew. Nail up. Oh, oh, silly, silly second. The olden days, we used to get a pack of cigarettes on budget day. Um, uh, uh, it's... It's yeah. It's 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 clearly something that matters a lot to it. It's not just you know about people like me who want to drive to IKEA over the weekend. It's also about you know uh, supply chain and and um, and disruption to that. You know, we had uh, we had uh, um, uh, Richard Walker from Iceland on the, the radio this morning just talking about you know the, the problems that he's going to have getting you know goods into the to the shops and uh, that's yeah. going to sort of put up prices uh, for for goods and put up prices for for you know when people try to to feed their families for the week. I mean, if I, if, I, if I were still in my previous employment, I would say other stores than Ikea are available, but, uh, but, but, but I'm sure, I'm sure the Herald wouldn't would, would want to say that as well. Hannah, let's talk about energy, home energy, um, really under pressure on this, the, the Chancellor. Alison Thulis quite quite effectively, you know, really effectively, I thought that that, that, that section about prepaid meters and she was she was mm. getting a bit of jibing from the Tory front benches and she really yelled at them didn't it? it was it was it was like it was like something from 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 the you know a 1920s Labour MB having a go at the at the Conservative front bench she really had a go on this one the Chancellor announcing relief for, for new installations solar panels heat pumps basically zero VAT and uh, you know thinking that's a, a, a big advantage critics saying no, come on it, it doesn't doesn't do what's required and it'll be delayed yeah I mean that <laughs> That's basically it, you know. For talk, talking about Alison Thulis, the the person who really wound it up was uh, Therese Coffey, the DWP um, secretary. Who, when Alison had said something about Rishi Sunak not knowing what you know a prepayment meter Aye. how that works, because they apply to swimming pools. I think she said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you know, it's a fair criticism. I don't think Rishi Sunak has has ever had a prepayment meter. Um, so you know, so. but. Therese Coffey, I think, said something along the lines of, oh, that's pathetic. And and yeah. you could see, and Alison Thulis is somebody who's normally very measured, very, you know, she's very calm and collected in, in the chamber usually. But you could see she was really, really annoyed about it. And she kind of said, oh, there's four million people in this country on prepayment meters. And yeah. basically you've done nothing to help them. Um, and, you know, um, as I say... And I hate to kind of harp on about it, but the fuel fuel duty isn't really going to help the poorest because they're, you know, if if you don't have a car, it's not necessarily going to help help you that much. Although I do take on board what Andrew said about the, you know, supply chains and things like that. Yeah. And again, if you're not a homeowner and you, or you know you don't have a landlord who can put in all these fancy contraptions to help your energy bills come down. Which, let's face it, as you're, if you're a landlord, why would you do that if you've got a tenant in who's paying the rent anyway? Um, you know, these things are really not going to help people who can't afford to pay for their energy bills. And I think 
one other thing that's important to say, I think on the energy bills, people aren't quite realising how bad it the is biggest, going to be. A big it is, you yeah, know, I agree with that. There's a huge amount of, of, of talk about it just now, but there's people who have probably never struggled to pay a bill in their lives who will be struggling this time, you know, in six months' time, they, they will not be able to pay their energy bills. Uh, Chancellor says he's got a nine point, what was it, £9.4 billion pound fund to, to help address that. Is, is it sufficient? Well, it Same depends. Yeah. It depends as well because the energy cap could go up again in October, I think. Um, there's another review. Yep. So, you know, we could see thousands of pounds being added onto bills again. Um, the other thing, and I'm sure we are going to come on to this, yep. is the Barnet consequentials that the yep. Scottish government have got. What It'll be interesting to see what the Scottish government are going to do with that money because, you know, there are certain elements of the budget that, that are devolved that won't apply yep. to Scotland. So, you know, it's really up to the Scottish government in terms of that to see what, what kind of, you know, programmes or schemes that they'll put in. I don't know yep. if Andrew's getting any sort of, you know... Uh Andrew, an additional forty-five million in, in Barnet consequentials for for. I mean, they, they have to assess that, don't they? They have to they have to take their own decisions on that. What what are you hearing? Well, <coughs> sorry, Brian. Um, uh, well, we still haven't heard anything from the the, the finance no, secretary. Not. Just she's she's uh, she's standing up in the, the chamber just now talking about uh, the Calmac ferry um, uh, chaos. Uh, so her mind is otherwise oh, engaged. Um, no. But we've uh, we have heard from the, the Tories so far. The Scottish Tories they're looking for the Scottish government to use the Barnet um, consequentials to effectively uh, well to match the uh, Rishi Sunak's announcement on uh, cutting income tax. Um, you know, they're talking about um, you know to, to match sort of targeted support for for vulnerable households uh, and that sort of thing. So we're still it's still you know it's still uh, being. Cogitated in St Andrew's house, I think at the moment. Okay. So. Well, that's fair enough. Ian, let's talk about the impact on business. Uh, one one thing business is pointing out is that the you know the various endeavours with with home bills don't necessarily directly affect them, and business concern that the, you know they, they may end up with with frankly steeply increasing costs that are not being mitigated. Yeah, I mean, I think the I think the I would kind of you know I guess. So, Probably chiming with what Hannah said, I think the the household measures are like woefully inadequate. There's a kind of two hundred pound of discount that's effectively a loan. Uh, there's a hundred and fifty council tax reduction covering, you know, albeit that's means tested. That looks okay. The warm home discount doesn't amount to that much. The hardship fund today doesn't amount to that much. So I think that there's a massive problem for the households for businesses. Obviously, there's as you say, there's no. Sort of, you know, mitigation at all. They, they, they'd obviously kind of looked for, you know, there'd been calls uh, sort of ahead of today from the likes of British Chambers to, mm. uh, you know, to, to to have some kind of uh, price cap put in place uh, for, you know, at least for small businesses, uh, you know, or micro businesses, or you know, whatever whatever size. Um, and I think I think that there is a there is a kind of huge problem there because you know, it, as Hannah says, I, I think people haven't really sort of. Appreciated the scale of of these rises, kind of thing. Uh -huh. You know, like fifty four percent on the household price cap, and obviously, you know, businesses are facing kind of uh, you know probably you know I, I would imagine greater rises if they've got no cap on there. You know, especially with everything that's going on at the moment, and it's kind of 
you know, that on top of everything that's happened at a time when people's sort of cash reserves have been run down, um, you know, when everyone sort of fought their way through the last two years, you know, these are these are kind of uh, huge, uh, huge increases. And, it, you know, just, um, yeah, I mean, it looks at the moment as if the, the kind of market, uh, the kind of energy market in the UK is just not, you know, not delivering. Uh, again, for, again, you know, again, you know, Ian and maybe then Hannah. I mean, you know, the 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 situation in Ukraine. You know, the news from there of of the Ukraine army, Ukraine soldiers, and 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 volunteers trying to push the the Russians back. We have we have a, a situation of complete uncertainty. We have we have a, a a dreadful war taking place on on European territory, and the Chancellor, without overstating it because overstating it would have would have sounded uh, glib and, and an excuse but without overstating it saying that adds to the uncertainty that the OBR are describing and in those circumstances he can't be, be as precise as as would otherwise be the case but business needs some precision don't they they need some support they need some assistance now yes no I think that's that, that's definitely the case I mean obviously they, we've we've come through a, a, a two-year period where there's been sort of massive uncertainty obviously with the the various waves and variants of, you know uncertainty sort of become uh you know sadly the kind of norm um and you know obviously the the crisis both in terms of how it develops causes huge uncertainty and you know there's obviously the as we've alluded to, the kind of knock-on effect on energy and everything else, which then sort of creates economic uncertainty. So, so I think, um, yeah, there there is a sort of, you know a fairly desperate need for some sort of stability and support. Um, you know, I, th- I think uh, certainly from looking at the likes of the Scottish Chamber's response, which was the, the the first one I noticed that there seems to be a view that the Chancellor sort of came up short on that front. Yeah, uh, a bit cautious. Let, let's stick with a, a business issue, but a business issue, Hannah, that, that affects everyone. There, there was a Barney going on. There were Barneys at various points in the Commons. It was across the, the front benches, across the dispatch boxes. But there was also a bit of a Barney between Rachel Reeves from Labour and Alison Thewlis from the SNP. Rachel Reeves saying there should be a windfall tax on oil and gas. She said no, given the, the circumstances it would raise more than £3 billion. And she accused the SNP of backing the Tories on that. Alison Thewlis turned that round and said no, no, she wanted a more widespread windfall tax. She mentioned Amazon and, and other companies, not just North Sea oil and gas. Is this going going anywhere? In, in It's going places as a political argument. Is it going anywhere seriously in terms of actually happening, Hannah? What, in terms of introducing a windfall tax? Yeah, yeah. Um, it likely, does it? Not that I can see. I mean, it was quite interesting, I thought, that, that Rachel Reeves kind of pointed the finger at the SNP. Right. To be honest, the kind of general consensus among... Uh, the Conservatives and Labour in in the Commons is that the SNP are, are not worth a mention most of the time. So I was quite surprised to see that that she like, kind pretend of they don't exist. Yeah, well, that, kind that of, which is you know, it's a bit strange at times. But anyway, um, yeah. So I, I thought saw, it was I, saw, quite... I saw I saw Pat McFadden sitting beside Rachel Reeves on that. He used to be uh, the 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 research officer for the Scottish <laughs> Labour Party. So maybe his he, he was grinning at, at that comment. Maybe it sparked some old moments from his, yeah, from his days. Perhaps but, 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 um, he was doing that. But never mind. But anyway, the yeah. windfall tax. Uh, the the uh, the SNP in, in in difficulty politically over, over this one. I mean, they they have an answer. Well. You know, they clearly aren't against a windfall tax and they have been talking about a windfall tax on companies that have made, you know, extreme profits during the pandemic. They haven't, I suppose, mentioned as much in terms of people who are making a lot of profit from 
the energy sector and the sort yeah. of Ukraine crisis, but but to say that they're against a windfall tax by you know in general would be wrong. It's wrong. Yeah. The, the treasury are insistent that there is no windfall cash, and mm. you know which is a kind of strange stance to take as well because we can see that they are getting more receipts from certain you know industries in certain areas because of this increased. Uh, these increased prices but in terms of will it actually happen uh, all the indications that i am seeing and hearing from the treasury is no, no they thanks. they don't no think thanks. that that's worth doing they don't think that that'll generate the type of of sort of support and as as people say that it will um so that's not yeah. something that i'm picking up but you never know we are in a what's the phrase a, a very un, or uncertain Certain, yes. What was the phrase? It was a wonderful phrase. Unusually high uncertainty. Yes, yes we're in unusually <laughs> high uncertainty. Beautiful, so beautiful civil service know. phrase. You know, it's like like a <laughs> courageous decision minister. Is that good? No, minister. Um, <laughs> Andrew, let's bring bring in bring in another point in 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 energy generally, energy extraction. It came up at, at prime minister's questions where. Um, the, the PM uh, uh, was having a bit of a, a, a to do with, with Ian Blackford. At one point, he said he was well. He, he said Scotland should abandon the phobia of our own hydrocarbons. What he was basically saying there was let let's go with the Campbell Field. Let's go with more extraction of oil. Something that the Scottish government is is uh, presently again. Mm, yeah, it's really interesting how this is all sort of turned around. If you remember, not that long ago, just in the the run up to. COP26, you know, you had the first minister sort of saying that the, Scot- the UK government should reassess the, the licences given to Cambo. And it yeah. kind of got so politically hot that you had Shell effectively walking away. And, and you know, that was what stopped Cambo. Um, but now, just in the last couple of weeks, or last week, I think it's really sort of looking at reassessing whether or not, you know, they should be going ahead. So, again, the Scottish government, I have been quite quiet on this um, at the moment. It's it's not an easy one, is it? It's not an easy one at all, um, especially given that their uh, their partners in government are the Scottish Greens, who are, of yes. course, absolutely one hundred percent against any further action. Yeah, and it kind of it does it does also kind of tie a little bit to the, the windfall tax debate because that sort of dominated uh, yeah. a few sort of sessions of first minister's questions up here. And, you know, you know, Nicola Sturgeon said she she had no ideological objection to the windfall tax. But it was also about, you know, making sure the burden doesn't fall in an Aberdeen, effectively, or or, or in people who work in the, the 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 offshore industry and oil and gas, which has you know always been her fear. So I, again, this is it's really interesting. It's interesting, of course, that Boris Johnson makes these comments uh, just after he's visited uh, the northeast uh, for the, the Tory Party conference on on Friday as well. So it's um, yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting time. And again, you know, unusually high levels of uncertainty. Um, yeah. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> the the phrase of the day. Ian, I'll bring you in again on uh, in a second on energy extraction. I should say that Kate Forbes, the finance secretary, has tweeted saying household and businesses are seeing soaring energy costs right now. That could plunge thousands into fuel poverty. There was nothing, she said in the spring statement, to reduce energy bills today or uprate benefits. So that's her on, on the record. Ian, on this business of, of extraction of North Sea oil, where, where are we on that? It's a tricky one for the First Minister, because I mean, I'm old enough to remember the launch of It's Scotland's Oil and the picture of Margaret Thatcher with the oil dripping down. Yes. You know, yes. no wonder she's laughing. She's got Scotland's oil, and apparently now we have to regard it as an ecological embarrassment rather than a boon to our economy. 
I know it, it's a it's a difficult one. I think I think in general there's been a you know Andrew mentioned sort of COP twenty six. I think there's there's generally been a kind of shifting tone sort of across the board. You know the, because energy security was was always an issue, but uh, you know and then we had the the Campbell thing. I mean you, we, we've had kind of. Um, IOG bring on some some new gas sort of, uh, fields um, sort of just recently, um, and you know I think I think everyone's looking at the, the current situation and sort of yeah. you know realizing the importance of energy security, realizing the importance of investment and in getting new new fields on stream. Obviously, that's not to take away from the transition, but it just looks at the the period practically over which it, it has to happen, and I think that's that's really you know the the current crisis is really kind of you know thrown that back into focus. Um, I think the first minister took quite a while to be drawn in Campbell. There was almost like almost like voting you know, kind of thing, and then eventually said something, and you know, which which you know may or may not needed to have been said, given that you know the you know the sort of reserved powers in any case. But it was it's kind of it's kind of interesting the you know the the situation. I think it has the tone of it has changed, and I think Andrew's point's very good because very well made because you know you you will. You will get the sort of oil majors who a lot of whom have been saying they're making a lot of money out the you know the increased prices at the moment. But you will get them saying you know other territories become more attractive. There's a windfall tax, you know, and then obviously that affects jobs, it affects cost cutting decisions, and so on. So you can see for the the northeast economy the the kind of importance of that is a it's a difficult one in terms of windfall taxes and the likes of Amazon. You you keep getting the kind of you know the you know what about Amazon and so on, but. You know, nothing. No one ever seems to quite pin it down what that would be, but it's, it seems to be a kind of hardy perennial kind of thing. Okay, let, let's let, let's move. We're moving towards the close. Let's do two two more topics: benefits, and let's do income tax, income taxation. That objective from the Chancellor of a nineteen p rate by uh, twenty twenty four. In in a wider context, of course, for Scotland, given that with the, the income tax rates and bans are. Deferred uh, are, are devolved. Hannah Roger, first of all, the on on benefits. Not much from the the Chancellor directly, but you had um, Rachel Reeves saying, you know, the, the poorest would, would still struggle, and you had Alison Thewlis and earlier Ian Blackford challenging the Chancellor to match what he, he said was a, what he and she said what was a six percent hike in the benefits under devolved control. So benefits coming up during the parliamentary debate, wasn't it? And it's. Boy, it's a, it's a source of concern to those who are, are dependent upon them. Yeah, I mean, benefits is always a sort of hot political issue, um, but it really, I think, came to a head at the when was it September last year, yeah. when we saw the reduction in the increase in twenty pounds a week universal credit, and that yeah. became, you know, a huge sort of fighting point. Um, you know, the Chancellor said, we can't keep this £20 a week increase forever. We're going to have to cut it at some point. Now, of course, that was before the conflict in Ukraine started. That was before the energy um, cap, you know, the rises in energy prices were announced. So he could kind of get away with it at that point. But now we are seeing just this constant referral back to reinstate that £20 a week, reinstate that £20 a week. Um, The Poverty Alliance just now have just um, said the same thing that they've said, you know, the the Chancellor's done, not done enough to help those who are most in need, specifically saying he should have reinstated this universal credit um, element. And really, you know, there there really was absolutely nothing as, as, 
you know, I've already said about Alison Thulis made that point. There really was absolutely nothing about benefits whatsoever in in the budget, um, which I think will, you know, it will be really disappointed to some people who who maybe can't work through no fault of their own and who these are the people who will be the worst affected, who are the poorest and will continue to struggle as these prices go up. And, you know, we're already sure, seeing sure. things like food banks, etc. seeing overwhelming amounts of people coming to them. Citizens Advice have said that they're breaking their own records in terms of people contacting them. So it, it does kind of make you think, what what can we do to help these people? Because there really wasn't anything in, in the, the spring segment. On, on I'm, I'm sure that sure the Chancellor, if you were here, would want to say that there was a doubling of the Household Support Fund to one billion that's going to go through local authorities. Presumably there's a a Barnet consequential of that, and he also announced uh, increasing the employment allowance to help small businesses take on workers. So he, he would mm-hmm. say he's doing things, but his critics are saying, you know, you've already substantially impacted um, benefits and, and you needed to do more in that. And there was that suggestion from Alison Thulis and Ian Blackford of matching the Scottish one. Tax, Ian, let, let's, let's talk income tax. Of course, it's devolved, um, at least personal income tax is, is devolved in Scotland, business tax not the chancellor trying to say that he was helping business he was helping people or he had an objective of helping people again it's back to this this underlying philosophy of trying to cut tax but maybe not quite the 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 record as is yeah i mean i got the impression with the you know the as i mentioned earlier the kind of champion the bit to news the cut that i think he maybe has been a bit stung by the you know there's there's been a lot in the lead up to this budget about just the the huge scale of the the tax burden the tories have uh have have put in place recently and the likes of that you know i I think the big one you know going forward will be that income tax threshold when people see inflation of i think it was meant to average you know somewhere above seven percent this year um, you know, obviously peaking uh, above it, you know, above eight, and you know, talk about potentially going into double figures. But yeah. you look at that and a sort of frozen tax threshold, you know, yeah. for, for uh, you know, and then look at that sort of compounded over four years. That's like a, a you know, that that's a big, big rise in the the tax take. Um, you know, and a, you know, a, a penny in the basic rate kind of thing. You know, it's um, it's it's kind of not. You know, it's, it's obviously more of a kind of headline grabber in terms of the number, but the the, the thresholds is. You know, at the time it looked like an attempt to do it quietly, and you know, and that was even yeah. before the inflation problem got going. And now that just makes it look like a like a huge tax measure kind of thing. You know, I, I'm sure Andrew, it was the furthest thing from his mind. But you don't become leader of the modern Conservative Party unless you're able to offer a tax cutting agenda. And it, there was Rachel Reeves at one point said he had a you're no Nigel Lawson, you're Ted Heath. Goodness sake! I mean, dear, dear, the, the, guy, the guy blanched. I mean, the the the, the insult was 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 palpable and and and, and staggering. You know, um, be, being moderately serious for for a moment, the 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 tax it's it's about ambition, isn't it? And, and as Ian is saying, it's not necessarily uh, there bluntly. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Yeah, um, it's uh, again, it's it's as you said, it's, it's slightly different up here. You know, I think um, is it sort of nineteen percent? Isn't it already the started rate? Between yeah, yeah, and fourteen and a half. Um, so it's it's uh, which is why I've got the Scottish government saying you know this does effectively this brings the rest of the UK into line with with, with Scotland. Um, yeah. Uh, it's yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting to see. I think you know Ian kind of explained it well. Just that 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 yawning chasm there between. Um, between money raised and and and, and the, the cost of living and all that sort of stuff, really. 
Yeah. Ian, final word, um, and final word, Hannah, perhaps. And the, the, the chance to, to depict this as a as a big deal, you know, a, a, a philosophical statement of mm. the future. It, I've got to say, it didn't grab me that way. It grabbed me as a as, as a transient thing with those. What was it again? I must. I should have that quote in front of me. But the the, the unusually high. I, I'll remember unusually high uncertainty. I'm afraid I won't necessarily remember it as as a big grandiose statement. Ian, mm. then Hannah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the yeah the, there was all this stuff about the tax strategy and so on, all sort of yeah, dressed tax. Up and, well, yes, he brandished it at one point, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, seemingly, you know, basically dressed up to say, you know, you know, some people might think we shouldn't, but we're going to cut the basic rate by a penny by the end of the parliament, you know, and maybe it'll turn out to be two. You know, the speculation had been two previously. Goodness knows mm-hmm. by the time we get there, but it all seemed to be dressed up around like you know we've done the numbers and we can get away with this. And it's it, yeah, it was just like a it was it was a you know a relatively you know not the biggest move in the in the scheme of everything else that's going on as we mentioned the, the sort of surging living costs and the the sort of you know income tax threshold has been frozen kind of in the you know in the immediate term kind of thing so i think it's um yeah it didn't it didn't seem like a you know some sort of defining moment to me in any way whatsoever the tax strategy brandished or not kind of thing <laughs> and they all they all had it on the, <laughs> the bench behind them in the, the treasury bench behind him hannah does does it feel like a big momentous day in in, in westminster because of the tax strategy or just because, because of the tax of- plan, <laughs> the, the, the tax plan. The capital letters, tax plan. Um, no, no. Funnily enough, it doesn't. Um, I think that people really, one thing to remember as well, if, if the chancellor was able to reduce the income tax right now, he would have done it, you know, but he's put a very long kind of time scale on this. It's by the end yeah. of 2024. Just before the next election, in other words. Yeah. Yes. And as, as Ian says, you'll probably do the old Gordon Brown trick. I'm not talking about taking off a penny. I'll take off two and all that. <laughs> yeah. And, Stand by for that. you know, it's a very sort of turbulent time and there's no guarantee. Not, you know, I'm not predicting anything, but there really isn't a guarantee that it will act will happen by the end of 2024 because of the current situation. So, no, quite. you know, we just have to see. But in terms of his uh, waving his tax strategy around, um, it's not something I'm dashing off to get my hands on. Let's just say, let's just ah. say that. But yeah. um, they'll come round and give you one. It'll be, it'll be obligatory. It'll have lots of appendices. <laughs> uh, Ian, Andrew, Hannah, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. I, I had one high point from the, the, the statement, at least, at least the response from Labour, which was that, that Labour quoted from that, that single greatest work of political dogma, doctrine and analysis, which is, of course, uh, Alice in Wonderland and Alice Through the Looking Glass. Curious here and curious here. From me, Brian Taylor, to Lutheran. This podcast was brought to you by The Herald. Take 20% off an annual subscription to The Herald with our exclusive podcast code. Just add Herald Pod 2021 to your basket and get instant, unfiltered access to our website. And you can also get involved with The Brian Taylor Podcast as well. Tune in on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube every Thursday afternoon to catch Brian and his panel chat live and ask your questions to the people across the political scene. 